Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Jason Cherry on November 29th, Lord's Day Service. The words to which I'd like to direct your attention this morning are found in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 31. I encourage you to have a copy of the scriptures open in front of you this morning. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would use the preaching of your word to deliver us from being worldly minded, which is death. And make us spiritually minded, which is life. We pray this for the sake of your name. Amen. Amen. It is true that man is a seeking creature. We never cease to seek. We seek our bearings. We seek our sense of direction. We want to know why. Man is an asking creature. Asking questions that push towards meaning in our lives. God made us this way. We are seekers. Verse 26 says, He made from one man every nation of mankind, then verse 27, that they should seek God. And so God made us this way. He made us to be seekers. And so the question then is, why did God make us this way? Why did God make us as human beings in His image? Why did He make us as seekers? And the answer in verse 27 is that they should seek God. And so God designed us to be seekers so that we would seek Him. Now the world is quite united on the fact that we are seekers. Most people will agree, yes, we are seekers. They may disagree about God's role in that, but most will agree that we are seekers. And most will even agree that we seek something beyond ourselves, that we seek something transcendent. The difference between the worldly person and the Christian is that the worldly person says that the story of man is a story of seeking. The Christian, however, keeps reading verse 27. It says, verse 26, he made from one man every nation of mankind, verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Notice two key words in verse 27. Seek and find. See, the world stops at the word seek. And they say, the story of man is a story of seeking. The world says, the point of life is seeking. The world says, it's about the journey 
not the destination. The world says, it's really cool to search for God. It's not very cool to find Him. The Christian, however, keeps reading verse 27. And we see that, yes, God made us to seek. And fulfillment comes when we find. The Christian reads verse 27 and says, Man was made for God. Not a generic notion of God, but the God of the Bible. The Christian reads verse 27 and says, The point of life is not to seek. The point of life is to seek and find God. And it's Paul who's saying these words as he preaches this sermon to the Areopagus. And Paul's sermon to the Areopagus here in Acts 17 has many things to teach us, but we only have time to dwell upon one theme. And our main theme this morning is that seeking and finding are two very different activities. Seeking and finding are two very different activities. And so we'll consider three things to unpack this theme. First, we'll see that God is near to man. Second, we'll see that man seeks God in ignorance. And third, we'll see how to turn seeking into finding. And so let's begin by saying that God is near to man. Look again at verse 27. It says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Notice this phrase at the end of verse 27. It says, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Or to say that positively, it's saying that God is near to man. God is near to man. And verse 28 is designed to explain in what sense is God near to man. And verse 28 mentions two things. First, it says, in him we live and move and have our being. Well, to what does this refer? It means that in God man lives and moves. Meaning, as Acts 14 says, God has provided good things for man. The sending of the rain, the cycles of the season, which cause crops to ripen. In this way, man has their being in God. In other words, our very existence depends utterly and absolutely on God. The second sense in which God is near to man, also found in verse 28, when it says, For we are indeed his offspring. In other words, of course God is near to us since we're his offspring. Of course God is near to us, to us since we are made in the image of God. This means that we share the potential for a relationship with God that is unlike other creatures. God made us as persons so that we can have relationship with other persons. That's what it means when Christians talk about having a personal relationship with God. We are persons made in his image, capable of relationship with other persons like God. And so, it is precisely because God is near to man that man seeks for God. God designed humanity that they should, as verse 27 says, that they should seek God. Man possesses an internal sense of God's nearness. And that is why man is constantly seeking. Seeking for something more. Seeking for something greater. Seeking for something transcendent. And in this way, seeking is easy. 
In this way, seeking is natural. In this way, seeking is a perfectly human thing to do. As Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, humans are made for eternity. Humans are made for transcendence. Humans are made for something bigger than ourselves. God made us this way as creatures in his image. Your pet goldfish is not seeking some greater meaning to life, but you are. God made you to seek it. But God's universal nearness leads only to seeking. God's universal nearness does not automatically lead to finding. People often seek and don't find. But it isn't because God is far away. He is near. The difficulty of finding God apart from the Bible lies not in his distance from us, but in our distance from him through the blinding effect of sin. That is why people seek in all the wrong places. You could reduce all of world history down to people seeking God in all the wrong places. We could list many examples. There are many ideologies in the world who are that are influential to Christians in the church today. For example, consider the environmentalists. Many environmentalists have rejected the God of the Bible, yet their longing for something greater than themselves predictably remains. And so here comes the religion of environmentalism to fill the void. Because what's bigger, what's more transcendent than saving the world? And so they cling to a delusion that they are saving the world to satisfy this most primitive of spiritual instincts. They are seekers, seeking in the wrong place. And so the first thing we see is that God is near to man. The second thing we see is that man seeks God in ignorance. Look at verse 27 again. It says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Now we need to take a few minutes to examine this passage. If we are Christians here this morning, then that means we are interested in hearing from God's word. That means we should be interested in digging into the text of scripture and pulling out of the text what the Holy Spirit intended when he inspired the author to write these words. And so that's what we're going to do for a few minutes. Let's dig into this text and examine what verse 27 is saying. On the surface, in the English translations, Acts 17, 27 seems to suggest that the unbeliever not only can seek God, but that the unbeliever can find him. Because after all, God is not far from each one of us. But that's not what this passage is saying. In reality, the thrust of verse 27 is not as optimistic as it initially seems. Verse 27 is saying that, sh that seeking should not be difficult, since God is not far from each one of us. But that raises the question. Because if seeking is not difficult, then why is God more <clears throat> readily found? And the answer is... That, as we pointed out earlier, seeking and finding are two very different activities. In the Greek, two verbs in 
verse 27, are in the rare optative mood. The optative mood only occurred 68 times in the New Testament. The first part of the verse reads in the ESV that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. The verbs feel and find are in the optative mood. The optative mood is the mood of wish or desire. Words used in the optative mood are considered to be two steps removed from reality. Which means that verse 27 is saying, in the hope that they might feel their way towards him and find him. Do you see? It's but a hope. It's but a wish. It's but a desire that mankind might feel their way towards him and find him. And the word feel carries the idea of man's searching in the dark. It's the idea of man groping after God in the darkness or the semi-darkness. It's the man who walks into the cave and he can't see, but he's looking, just hoping he might find what he's looking for. So look at it again, verse 27. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. And so the idea is that God designed mankind to seek Him. But this seeking is such that mankind is stumbling around in the dark with only a wishful, with only a bleak possibility of finding Him. Mankind, in other words, to put it as concisely as possible, verse 27 is saying that mankind is in a blind, darkened search for God. That man can find God is only a theoretical possibility. Possibility does not necessitate the practical ability in and of yourself to do so. Practically speaking, then, verse 27 is teaching the inability of man to find God when... They seek Him on their own. And this is where we have to return to our theme. That seeking is different from finding. Relative to finding, seeking is easy. Seeking, and the hope that mankind may actually find, is a seeking in ignorance. Such that mankind is totally incapable of finding God in and of Himself. Now, notice what's been added at the end of verse 27. It says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him. Yet, He is actually not far from each one of us. Notice how verse 27 ends with a concession. Yet, He is actually not far from each one of us. And so the point being made is not He is close so people can find Him, but rather People cannot find him, but that isn't because he's far away. The groping is unsuccessful. The feeling for God in the dark, the blind search for God is unsuccessful. Humanity's search for God will not result in finding God when they search in their own wisdom. And so we have this truth. God made man to seek, yet on their own they don't find. Why not? Why can't humanity find him? Look at verse 30. He says, The times of ignorance God overlooked. 
Why does humanity seek but not find God? Well, it's because their seeking is done in ignorance. And so what we see in this passage is first, God is near to man. And second, that man seeks God in ignorance. Third, we need to see how to turn seeking into finding. How do people turn seeking into finding? Well, if the inability to find God is the consequence of ignorance, then repentance is required. Repentance of what? Repentance of the ignorance. Look again at Acts chapter 17, verse 30. It says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Did you know you could repent of ignorance? The common God-given hope that leads to seeking only becomes finding when you repent of ignorance through the power of Christ the judge. And so if we need to repent of ignorance, we need to understand this ignorance. And Paul uses this phrase in verse 30, the times of ignorance. The times of ignorance is Paul's summation of Athenian pagan culture's search for unknown gods. The times of ignorance is a label that applies to any society that seeks in order to seek. Paul labels that the times of ignorance. Now, what's the point? The point is this. The world today tells us that seeking is the most noble religious action possible. Instead of seeking meaning, we are told that we ought to find meaning in the seeking. And then when we're told that, they usually cock their head back and stroke their chin as if they've just presented some meaningful statement to us. Leonard Sweet writes, for example, quote, The way is not a method or a map. The way is an experience, end quote. And then he stroked his chin. After he wrote it, because it's so religiously profound, we're told. To seek, let's seek, we're told. The destination matters little. The journey is the thing, we're told. The world tells us that the journey of seeking is about the wild, uncensored adventure of mystery and paradox, where we're not tour guides, but fellow the world tells us that the journey of seeking is about being true to yourself, deviating from the root, resisting rigid structures, and embracing uncertainty, which, by the way, is the seeker's definition of humility, which is why we should always scoff when Christians start using that as their definition of humility. Uncertainty is not humility. But... This passage reveals that seeking in order to seek is, according to the Apostle Paul, ignorance. The primary, in other words, the primary religious value of American culture, Paul, inspired of the Holy Spirit, labels as ignorant. This passage reveals that seeking, even religious seeking, is not an unqualified good. And it's not that seeking is bad, that's not the point at all. It's that seeking isn't the objective. Seeking is a means to an end. But when there is no end, 
or more precisely, when there's not the proper end, that seeking is ignorant, Paul says. Seeking should be a means to an end. What is the end? The end is finding. Seeking without finding is ignorance. And in this seeking, humanity is guilty of ignorance. Though they searched, they searched in ignorance. And ignorant searching, according to verse 30, requires repentance. And you want to know what's fascinating about the word ignorance. On the word level, the two times the noun form of ignorance is used in Acts, the verb form of repentance is also used. Which is also ironic for our society, which embraces ignorance. You see teenagers all the time bragging about how they didn't study for the test, bragging about how they didn't know. Like, it's now cruel to be ignorant. And yet in Scripture, we're told to repent of such a status, to repent of such a characteristic. And this also informs our understanding of ignorance. This understands, this informs our understanding of seeking. It's not something that has some good qualities or some bad qualities. Ignorance. The ignorance of seeking in order to seek. The ignorance of constant restlessness as the mark of authentic spirituality. The ignorance of thinking that the point of spirituality is the experience of the journey. That requires repentance. Repentance, verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And so, first we've seen that God is near to man. Second, we've seen that man seeks God in ignorance. And third, we've seen how to turn seeking into finding. That is, that we turn from the ignorance to the true and living God of the Bible and his son, Jesus Christ. And this now brings us to the point of conclusions. And to the modern problem in our culture today, and even in the church today, of always seeking and never finding. The modern seeker sees no theory of meaning that is more important than the act of seeking. Modern man strenuously resists arriving. They strategically stop short of any formal acceptance of a creed or a system, putting themselves in the intellectually awkward position of having a creed that rejects creeds. Christians, too, now describe Christianity in these ignorant terms. Not my word, Paul's word, ignorant terms. Christians now talk far more about the search or the journey than actually finding the way, the truth, and the life in the person of Jesus Christ. And in this way, for many Christians, their faith journey is just a mix and match spirituality. And don't misunderstand, let's reiterate, it's not that seeking is wrong. It's not that the journey is unimportant, but rather the experience of seeking as an end in itself is the ignorance. The experience of seeking is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that seeking without finding God through the person of Jesus is an ignorance that needs to be repented of. But we need to be sensitive to how this sounds. We are using the words of the divinely inspired Apostle Paul 
to contradict the primary religious proposition in our culture today, perhaps even within evangelical churches today. And so we need to be sensitive to the modern person who might be listening to this. This is certainly foul to the modern ear. This certainly runs against the grain of everything they hold dear in terms of their spirituality. The modern person would object and they would say, this is too narrow. What you're saying is too narrow. It's too exclusive. It's too intolerant. It's too dogmatic. And then they would say, because of your narrow, exclusive, intolerant view, I hate you, you hateful people. I can't tolerate your intolerance. I'm absolutely certain there are no absolutes. I know that nothing can be known. I'm sure that nothing is sure. And the Christian response might just point out that the all religious seeking is good argument is just as much a narrow dogma as saying that Jesus is the only religious good. They're saying Christians are just as wrong as we're saying they're wrong. It's just as narrow. It's just as exclusive. It's just as intolerant. It's just as dogmatic. They say they've got the market cornered on this religious truth. And then they say we're intolerant because we're saying we've got the market cornered on religious truth. And we might also say in response that the Christian gospel isn't narrow or arrogant. Quite the opposite. The truth of Christ's love, where Christ willingly sacrificed himself, paid the due penalty for sin, and was raised victorious over sin, the truth of Christ's love is offered to all seekers, no matter their economic status, no matter their skin color. All seekers are invited to find. All seekers are invited to turn from the darkness and receive the wondrous gift of Christ and be clothed with the righteousness of Christ as they stand before God just and forgiven. And this happens through faith. Through faith, through trusting in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the one who paid the penalty for the guilt of sin and was raised victorious over it. And so the Christian gospel invites all seekers to turn from the darkness and to receive Jesus Christ. Let's close by praying together. Heavenly Father, we confess that we don't want to be endlessly seeking. We see that your word describes such a thing as ignorance. And so, Father, we confess that we want to find Christ. We want Christ in us. We want Christ over us. We want Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ befriending us, Christ sustaining us and satisfying us. Father, we pray that we want to find Christ. We pray this for the sake of your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.